0: because I want you to have a profitable private practice. Hello and welcome to Therapy for Your Money. Today I want to talk about something that I find really exciting and that is KPIs. Uh, first of all, a KPI is a key performance indicator. So it's, an, it's a term that gets thrown around a lot, uh, but KPIs can really help you take your business to the next level because it means that you're paying attention, you are tracking. So As far as I'm concerned, there's not a right or wrong KPI to track. It really depends on what is important to your business. I usually don't recommend tracking more than two or three KPIs at a time because it gets difficult to pay attention to those. If you're tracking 18 different things, it's hard to really have a pulse on everything that's going on. So I typically will recommend figuring out the two or three most important things for your business based on where you are at that point. And tracking those items, and then waiting. You can shift shift uh, later on and change that mix. But as far as really, really focusing and honing in on something, two or three. As far as I'm concerned, there's not a right or wrong number necessarily for a KPI. What we're really trying to accomplish mostly is figuring out how are things changing in the business. Are the numbers going up? Are they going down? Some KPIs are going to be Leading indicators, some are going to be lagging indicators. So they can help you look back and evaluate what happened. Uh, for a lagging indicator, when that means that you are going to get the information after it's already happened, you're going to be able to, to just think back and do a retrospect and, and wonder why did this happen and what can I do in the future to avoid this situation or to make it happen again, right? If it's a good thing. And as far as a leading indicator, that's something that might happen in advance of something else. An example of that would be your number of appointments today is a leading indicator of the cash in the bank in two to three weeks when the insurance pays you. Or if you're a private pay practice, sometimes the number of appointments today is a leading indicator of the cash that you're going to have deposited uh, by your payment processor tomorrow. So that's the, the difference between the lead and the lag. All right, so where do we start with KPIs? Obviously today I'm gonna to talk about mostly financial KPIs um, because that's that's my realm. There are several um, non-financial KPIs that you can track as well. We'll touch on those just a little bit as well. But the, the lesson here for KPIs is you've got to start somewhere to have the data and know what's normal in your business so that you can really, really easily identify when something is not going well in the business. All right, so you may know at this point I have an accounting firm, Green Oak Accounting. In my firm, we do tr- track several KPIs on our dashboard for our CFO clients. So if you're interested in some help with tracking KPIs, that's definitely uh, one of the ways to go. Let's get started. So I like to start with average fee per session. And I know, I know it sounds so very simple. And if you are a solo practice owner and you take private pay only and have no sliding scale, You might all know that off the top of your head, but what I find is that most often this number can be surprising to practice owners uh, because it's not necessarily the average of the three panels that you are on. There's a different mix that you're going to see of clients between if you're on um, United and Aetna and Anthem, Blue Cross Blue Shield, you might be seeing 60% of your clients with United. So depending on what the reimbursement rates are, what the Mix is of clients that you have, your average fee per session can be higher or sometimes lower than you expected. So I think that's a good place to start. What are the dollars coming in for every session that is seen in your practice? Just as important is average profit per session. I like to see what that is uh, because I think it's important to consider profit. There has to be profit in every single session that you're seeing, there has to be profit built into your practice for it to be successful and sustainable. So I like to know what that number is. Um, and how I use that in practical terms is, if you know your pro- your profit per session is uh, $28, for example, if you have a group practice, that might be something that's normal for your practice. If you are thinking of adding a benefit to your team members, that profit per session can really help you determine does that make sense? Can I do it? Is it sustainable? Is there still profit left? Because I've seen practices with a negative profit for every session. And those are, those are few and far between. It does happen. But in that case, that might mean the owner is taking on loans or infusing cash into the business just to even be able to pay all the expenses and pay the clinicians. And that is not sustainable. So average profit per session is a good one to track. And that might fluctuate with time, right? Especially if there's a month where you're uh, making a big investment in your business, like you're redoing the website and paying a couple thousand dollars, your average profit per session is going to go down. And that's okay, but you want to really be able to see trends. And if you're looking at year over year, did that go up or did that go down? And is it going in the direction that I want it to go in? I also always think it's a good idea to look at your gross income and your net income. And that's maybe less of a KPI, but you want to be looking at that on a monthly basis to see what's going on in the business. Sometimes you even can look at that on a weekly basis. If you have uh, an accounting software like QuickBooks, it's really easy to look. You can look by day, which is probably a little bit too granular, but you can look by by week as well. You can also look in your EHR as well, uh, but you want to see how the numbers are trending. So if you have, for example, a clinician that left, you're going to reasonably expect that income is going to go down. Uh, but then as you bring a new clinician on, is that income going back up, right? You want to make sure that the numbers are flowing in the way that you expect them to. Um, and then in certain periods, things are not going to be like you expected them. Uh, like for a lot of our clients in January, it was a January, but a hard month. It's always a, a slower month because there's just less sessions at the end of December. But then in addition to that, there were a lot of uh, insurance companies that were really, really slow to pay in January for some reason. And so that made a lot of our clients have a really slow January. So having that data allows you to look back and see, oh, that's why that happened. So it's actually not something that you as the business owner did. It's not something, something that you necessarily have control over, but they, at least you understand why that dip is. If you were thinking about selling your business, a lot of times the buyer is going to ask about big fluctuations. So if there's a big dip, you want to have a solid answer on why that was. Same goes with net profit, right? So I like to look at gross income and then net income. So gross is all the income coming into your practice. Net income is all of the profit in your practice. So a lot of times net income is going to correlate pretty closely with your gross income. So if gross income goes up by 20,000, net income is going to go up, not necessarily by 20,000, but it's going it should go up as well. So if there's a month where those numbers are not in alignment, where there's an increase in gross income and a decrease in that income, you definitely want to look at that and see why that is happening. The same thing typically happens when there's a big bump down. So if all of a sudden your, your income goes way down, it's very normal for your profit to go way down as well. So you generally want those to be going in the same direction at the same time. And if they're not, that's a good place to focus your attention. Another good place to look is income per therapist. Uh, And that calculation is just really easy. You look at your total income divided by the number of therapists. Um, I typically also look at profit per therapist. So both income and profit per therapist. Why do I like to look at this? I want to see how this is changing over time. Um, Generally, I want this to be fairly high. One indicator that we can see here is sometimes a a practice with a lot of very, very part-time therapists is going to have a really low income per therapist KPI. And so what that can mean is there's a a lot of work to be done by the owner as far as managing all those people, all the clinicians in your practice. And that also typically means the profit per therapist is going to be really, really small. Um, There are just economies of scale of having a minimum as far as the number of sessions per week that you're looking for from a clinician. And, and, and Really holding true to those. And so when I see a really low income per therapist, that usually means like something is going on, there's just uh, the scheduling is not is not working, the clinicians aren't filling up, uh, or there's just too many people. So I typically will like to see that around the $10,000 per therapist mark. Um, I think that's a good place to be. But even uh, it's not unusual to see that number be even even higher as well. Next up cash on hand and your cash reserves. So cash on hand is an easy number, right? You can just go look at your bank account at the end of the month, see how much is in there. I like to look at cash reserves in months. So you would look at your cash on hand and divide that by your average expenses. Um, And so our dashboard looks at the last um, few months of the year. And so you might get a number like 2.5 months, six months, I love, love, love to see a cash reserve of at least three months of expenses in a business. Because when there is a big dip, like in January or COVID, right? Remember last year, uh, when all of a sudden the world closed and insurance stopped sending payments, if you've got that three month cash reserve of all of your expenses, not not so not necessarily the income, but the expenses, then you're in a really good position where you don't have to lay anyone off right away, uh, where you can still pay your team, you can still pay yourself. And the business can stay afloat if there if an emergency does happen, if a clinician needs to go on leave very abruptly and all of a sudden your, your um, income goes way down, right? If any, any hardships happen, you have money to keep things going. Um, so cash reserve is an important one, I think. Uh, I look at all of the expenses, like rent, all of your clinical payments, your admin team, your overhead, your software, right? All of that together, and I average that over at least the last three months? What was the average for those three months? And of course, if there's a true emergency, you might make some changes, you might make some cuts. Uh, But the nice thing when you have that kind of cash reserve is that the second something happens, you can just take a few weeks to say, okay, let's weather the storm and let's see, is this really a permanent situation or is it a temporary situation? And we don't have to shut everything down and stop our marketing coordinator and like over our VA, right? So you don't have to let people go right away. You can kind of weather that storm and see how you're going to get through it. I also really like to look at the, uh, what I call officer's pay or owner's pay and profit altogether. So depending on the legal entity, there could be a couple of different ways that you um, as the owner get paid in your practice, right? So you might be be getting a salary. If you have an S Corp, you might be getting a guaranteed payment. If you have a partnership, or you might just be getting a draw if you're a solo practice owner. So I look at all those together. So owner's pay and profit. And I want to see where that as a percentage of income is staying. Um, And so that will be very, very different for a solo practice and a large group practice, right? So the where that number is, is going to be different. But I want to make sure that it's staying steady. And I look at the entire compensation package, just because you, you might decide that you want a high salary because you're really close to retirement and that will maximize your social security. You might decide um, that you have a leadership, uh, that you have leadership in your business and you actually want to have a, a lower salary and take more in distributions, for example. Right. So there's a lot of different combinations there. But so if you look at it as a whole, I want to make sure that it's holding steady and then it's at least 20 percent. Uh, 20% is kind of my, my low mark. I always would like to see a practice at least at 20% uh, for a solo practice that would be much higher. And if you have any, if you want some data, we have on, if you go to therapyforyourmoney.com, we have both a solo budget tool and a group practice budget tool that has benchmarks for various stages of, of private practice. So you're welcome to go and those are free to download uh, over there. If you'd like to see what your practice should look like based on the size of your business. I also like to look at how much you're utilizing the space. Um, So I'm recording this in 2021. We're just slowly starting to go back to uh, in-person therapy. Most clinicians are vaccinated. The rest of the world is not quite yet, but we're we're, we're slowly getting there. Um, And so your physical space obviously was much more important pre-COVID, right? But if you still have a physical space, I still think it's important to look at it because one of the, the... issues that came up very often pre-COVID is our clients would come to us or a new client, we would onboard a new client and they would say, I really want to know if I can afford more space because we're completely full. We need more space. And the reality is when we looked at those ratios, like how much are you actually using your physical space? That wasn't actually always the case. A lot of times they were averaging three sessions per day in their existing space. So for each therapy room, they were averaging, for example, 3.5 sessions. Um, And so what that tells me is there's actually a lot of room, like maybe you actually have more of a scheduling problem than a space problem. And so really looking at that from an objective perspective and thinking outside the box of, okay, how can we make that work? That can be really valuable because then you're not increasing your expenses at all. You're maybe hiring a little bit differently, or maybe your um, admin or intake coordinator is scheduling a little bit differently, but you're able in that existing space to accommodate Double at least the number of clients that that you thought you could. So, in the age of COVID, a lot of practice owners have gone fully virtual. And I think that's really neat. I think that's hopefully going to be a sustainable business model long term. Um, I, I love the idea. So, especially in really expensive areas, we have seen that more like New York City, San Francisco. We've seen a lot of that happening where practice owners are just letting go of the space entirely. So, if that's the case, then you don't have physical space to look at. But a great KPI to look at would be your capacity as far as People in hours. So if your clinicians are on the books, for example, for 15 clinical hours per week because that's what you require, how full are they? What's going on there? So you want to look at that metric across the board, across all of your clinicians. So then you can see is there a problem with one specific clinician where they're never quite full uh, because maybe they're not retaining clients in a way uh, that you expect them to. You. This also will be a great KPI. That will help you identify when you need to start hiring, um, so you can put metrics around that as well. So you might know from the time that you post a position to the time you have someone uh, credentialed, it might be three months, right? It might it might very well be ninety days, and if you're private pay, it might be a lot shorter. But just posting a position, getting the applicants in interviewing the applicants, making an offer, that process does take time. So if you've got this KPI where you're looking at how full is everyone, you can really be proactive in your hiring um, in a way that you're never turning people away or having to start a wait list as well. All right, next up is marketing. I think this is an important one to, to track, especially if you have any kind of help marketing so maybe you have a social media person maybe you have um, someone who's helping you with content but especially when you have that i want you to be tracking inquiries coming in and conversions as well that's always good data right that's always good data for you to have but especially have if you have a marketing person i want to be able to measure the impact of what they are doing a lot of times when you have a marketing person the call to action that they're going to make to your potential clients is schedule an appointment with us, right? Call us or book an appointment online, whatever that may be. But you want to be able to track that to see, is it working? Is what they're doing working? And oftentimes during that process, you're also going to be asking, where did you hear about us, right? So that's how you can get even more specific. But that way you can see if you're spending $5,000 a month on a referral program for marketing, you can track, is that increasing the number of inquiries that we're getting? Are they good inquiries? Are they also converting into Intakes or clients, right? So you're measuring those things, and you can put a dollar amount, a cost of acquisition. To this is basically how much it's costing us to acquire a new client. So you can decide: is this method worth it? Is it not not worth it? Based on um, based on what you're paying the marketing company, based on how long a client stays with you on average, right? So you can look at those numbers and see if that makes sense. All right, that's it for today. Um, Those were a lot of metrics. And I would recommend pick a few, start there. Uh, You heard me talk about a dashboard earlier um, at my accounting firm. We do have a dashboard that we offer our CFO clients. We are working on a version that will be available to the public. So it'll be a financial dashboard um, that can be used in your practice. It can connect to your QuickBooks account. Uh, and show you your KPIs directly. So if you're interested in finding out about that when it becomes available towards the end of the year, feel free to go to therapyforyourmoney.com, uh, get on our email list. We only send one email per week when we uh, drop a new episode, and then we'll also let you know when that dashboard does become available. Take care, everyone. If you're looking for accounting help, head over to therapyforyourmoney.com accounting to find information about my accounting firm and all of our specialized services just for private practice owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Just head over to iTunes, click on ratings and reviews and give us a quick shout out. We really appreciate it. The information contained in this podcast represents the host and guest's general opinions and should not be construed as personalized accounting and tax advice. Listeners should consider all facts and circumstances before applying this information and seek appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. Any info provided does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice.